Hi everyone, my name is Yosef Siegel, and welcome to this week's edition of the AMM Torah Podcast. Uh, this week we continue from the previous few weeks of Chutz Laaretz and Eretz Israel being one parsha off from each other, due again to the fact that the eighth day of Pesach fell out on Shabbos, and will continue to be so for the next few weeks. So in the meantime, we've been sending out two different Torah each week, one for the Bnei Eretz Israel and one for the Bnei Chutz Laaretz. So make sure, before you uh, continue with this podcast, that you have the correct Parsha that you are laning this week in your community. So this week's Tefarah Torah is for Parshas Baaloscha, and let's get right into it. So Parshas Baaloscha ends off with uh, the very well-known story of Miriam um, getting Tsaras. And what happened with that story, the combination of the Psukim and Chazal explaining the Psukim, um, is that after, at, before Matan Torah, uh, all uh, couples, all married couples were uh, commanded to remain separate from each other in order to remain holy on their way to receiving the Torah. But then, as soon as, um, as, soon as Matan Torah was over, everyone was allowed to be back together again. But Miriam found out that Moshe Rabbeinu had not gone back to his wife. And the reason was is because he needed to remain uh, constantly in the highest state of purity because he would always be uh, talking to Hashem and he wanted to make sure that uh, his mind was always in that place. This is actually something that Moshe did on his own, but Hashem sort of gave his seal. It's not something which Hashem commanded Moshe to do, but Moshe sort of uh, inferred it on his own, and uh, Hashem tells us that Moshe uh, had made the right inference. And Miriam uh, complains to Aaron that uh, Moshe is uh, is doing something uh, unnecessary, and she questions if Moshe's actions were actually commands from Hashem or just him um, doing his own personal chumras. And Hashem gives Miriam tsaras as a punishment. Tsaras, as we know, is the punishment for lashon hara, because essentially she gave lashon hara against Moshe by suggesting that he would do something. Um, that went against the commands of Hashem. And that's what Hashem tells Moshe. That's what Hashem tells Miriam and Aaron as explanation that uh, the famous words, that the Moshe uh, gets a higher level of intimacy with God than any other human being ever had before and ever will afterwards, uh, until up to and including this day and after today. Um, and this was really something that she should have realized, and, and Hashem punishes her accordingly. Now, right after her accusation, the Torah writes one of the most famous psukim we find in the entire Torah. And this is what I want to focus on this week. This is in Paragud Beis, Pasuk Gimel. Miriam has just uh, made her accusation against Moshe. And then the Torah follows up with this Pasuk. Ve'ayish Moshe Anav Ma'od, the man Moshe was exceedingly humble, mikol adam from any, more than any other person, asher al who was on the face of the earth, or on the face of the earth. And it's very clear that this Pasuk is put there in a direct response to Miriam's claim, right? Miriam accuses Moshe of perhaps doing things which would not have been commanded from Hashem. And the Pasuk tells us that the chief, that of, of the greatness of Moshe Rabbeinu, what he was best at was humility, was anivas. He was the greatest man alive in this respect. I mean, in every respect, but this was his, this was his uh, shining attribute that everyone could point to and say, oh, well, who's Moshe? Moshe's an anav. And because of that, it was ridiculous to suspect such a man to ever act in contradiction to the word of Hashem. 
right? Like we said, he spoke to Hashem, punim al punim. He was privileged to hear directly from Hashem's mouth all these commandments. How could she even suspect him of such a thing? And that's what the Pasuk is coming to teach us. Now, the question I want to ask you is, what exactly makes Moshe the, mo- the most humble man alive? What was it? So what I want to do is that I want to try and give a definition for humility. And then I want to take a couple instances in the Torah, which seem to point to the Midah of Anava, of Anivas, of humility in Moshe Rabbeinu, and see if that fits with our definition. So I think the, the common explanation, if you would ask someone on the street, what does it mean to be humble? You would say it's somebody who doesn't try to make himself an important person. He tries to stay out of the limelight. Uh, he, he defers to all those around him. Uh, if you look in the dictionary, the dictionary defines it as someone who acts with submission. Again, you know, somebody who's just, uh, you know, this is something that's easier if you see me rather than just uh, listening to me. But, you know, it's a guy who's not trying to, he's not trying to do anything big. He's, he's just there, you know, like he, you know, like I should do this. You know, like I'm humble, you know, like I'm not the greatest guy in the world. You know, what are you trying to make me? You know, I'm just a guy. I'm just a guy, right? That's, that's how you see somebody who's humble. All right, very good. Now let's take two stories about Moshe Rabbeinu in the Torah. The first story I want to talk about is the first conversation you, sh- you see between Hashem and Moshe Rabbeinu by the burning bush. And what happens over there? Hashem comes to Moshe and says, you're the guy. You're the guy I want to take, that I want to take the Jews out of Mitzrayim. And Moshe keeps saying, nope, not me. Please send somebody else. Please send somebody else. He's, he's con- he keeps on refusing Hashem's uh, commands. Um, and... Hashem keeps coming back. Moshe, it's got to be you. It's got to be you. And at a certain point, Hashem says, Moshe, that's enough. Stop talking. You're the one. Now, we take this story, and we took our definition of humility, and we're like, ah, this is it. This is the story that shows the Anivas of Moshe Rabbeinu. He did exactly what he was supposed to do. He tried to stay out of the spotlight. He didn't want to take any honor, right? And only when Hashem said, I'm not taking you no for an answer, and it's God, so at a certain point you have to stop, Moshe's like, okay, fine. You know, if I have to do it, I have to do it. This must be the Makar. This must be the source of how we know, of how the Torah is telling us that Moshe was the most humble man alive. But the truth is that Chazal teach us that because of all these refusals of Moshe, Hashem tells Moshe in the Psukim that, Aaron is going to be there to help you out, and he's going to be the greater one. He will be your navi, right? He'll be your spokesperson. And Chazal tell us that that was when Hashem chose to make Aaron the Kohen Gadol. That until that point, eventually Moshe was going to become the Kohen Gadol, and then Moshe's children would have been the family of Kahuna. His sons would have been the Kohenim, and his grandchildren would be Kohenim after them. But what ended up happening is because of Moshe's refusal to become the leader, Hashem took that mantle and put it on Aaron and his family. So what do we see? We see that this story ends up being the exact opposite of what we thought. First of all, Moshe was not rewarded for his refusal. This is not what showed humility. This is not how it showed him to be humble. He was punished that he lost the kahuna. And the irony about that is that you would say that to refuse the kahuna would be an act of humility according to our definition. But that was the actual punishment, losing out on the kahuna. So from this story, it seems that our definition's shaky at best. But I think I'm going to put the nail in the coffin on our definition with this second story. What's the second story of the Torah? Right here. The Torah that we have was dictated by Hashem to Moshe directly. And Moshe wrote it over word for word exactly the way he heard it. And that includes this Pasuk. That means that Moshe Rabbeinu Right, is sitting there writing a pasuk about how he's the most humble person alive. Can you imagine? 
<laughs> Can you imagine any person, let alone the most humble person alive, have to sit there and write, I am the most humble person alive? It, it must have been torture. It must have been torture for Moshe Rabbeinu. That goes directly against his, his feelings, his nature. And yet, unlike the story by the burning bush, we find no record, whether, whether in Torah Shabbat or Torah Shabbat that Moshe had any difficulty writing this sentence like he did accepting the, the mantle of leadership by the bush. How is that even possible? So perhaps we need to reevaluate our definition of humility. I once heard someone uh, say this definition um, for the Mida of, an, of Anivas. In the name of Rav Nassim Svi Finkel, that's all the previous Rosh Hashiva uh, in the Mir Yeshiva in Yerushalayim. Not only is our definition the wrong definition of humility, it's actually the opposite of humility. It's actually selfishness. What do I mean? Every single person is given tremendous abilities from Hashem to accomplish many things throughout their lives. Now, these abilities have a wide range. Some of them are not so strong and were able to do things, but only very poorly. Then there are other things, there are other abilities that we have which allow us to do things, you know, well, you know, good, above average, below average, but you know, well enough. And then there are the things which we do extremely well. And this last group is what we usually refer to as our talents. Now, to use our talents in the right way and for the right purpose is, is so enjoyable for us. You know, when you really feel that you're, you're doing something which you were meant to do and you're accomplishing, and you're accomplishing in it, there's no better feeling. But it's not only that. It's actually our way of showing Hashem how much we appreciate all the gifts that he gives us. If you have a talent and you refuse to use it, that's such a slap in the face to Hashem. You're saying, yeah, Hashem, I know you gave me a gift. I know you, with the master plan of the universe, felt that I needed this, but you know something? I don't need it. And what ends up happening is that it turns out that simply doing what we're good at is an actual way of serving Hashem. So that's in terms of using our talents for ourselves. But there's another aspect to our talents. I sort of slipped a point into, into the, the previous thing I said, which I, which I want to bring out more now. I said that our talents are actually gifts from Hashem. And Hashem has the master plan. And he decided with his master plan that these are the talents that we need. And the greatest thing Hashem, Hashem wants to do, good, all he wants to do is do good for us. But that good requires, the fulfillment of that good requires us to use our talents to make everything around us good. Because there's certain something that you have which no one else has which will bring the world to its ultimate good. And the only way that Hashem could do good for everybody is if everything is good. And therefore, it becomes your responsibility to use your talents to make the world a better place. As well as in the service of Hashem, technically it's the same thing. So when you have a talent, an arrogant person might think, this is my, I'm the greatest, right? This is me. I was able to be, this is what I'm able to do. I'm so great at this. I deserve respect and admiration. But it's the exact opposite. We didn't become that person on our own. We didn't get that. We, didn't, we, we have to develop our gifts. But the core gift didn't come from us. It came from Hashem. So we have absolutely no reason to use them as a source of gaiva.
Furthermore, like I said, you have to recognize that this was given to you for a reason. Every single person is unique. Hashem chose you above the billions of other people in the world to use this talent. So if you're not going to use it in the best way possible, why do you even deserve it? So like I said, it becomes our responsibility and our mission to go about using our talents to further Hashem's master plan, whatever it is. And that is the true definition of humility. You recognize the greatness and the unique qualities that are within you and how they make you an incredible being. But at the same time, you understand that the responsibility placed upon you to make the best use of that greatness that you have is also an important point. And what ends up happening is that arrogance is pointless. There can't be any arrogance. So when it comes to humility, humility is not saying I'm not good, right? Or trying to stay out of the spotlight. It's the exact opposite. You have to take the responsibility. And if it's something that you know that you can do and you don't know if someone else can do it the way that you can, you have a responsibility to, say, to stand up and say, yes, I am great at this. You can't just pretend you're not. You can't just say you're not. If you're needed, you have a mission and you need to fulfill that mission. And that mission requires you to be the best. So now we can understand the stories of Moshe Rabbeinu. When it came to the bush, Moshe was refusing to use his greatness. Hashem gave him greatness in order to save the Jewish people, to take them out of Mitzrayim. And Moshe was saying, I can't do it. Right? He was being humble, but he was being humble in the wrong way. And therefore, Hashem gets upset with him and he punishes him. So that's not a show of humility. But then it, when it comes to our Pasuk, Moshe did exactly what he's supposed to do. He has developed his humility to the point where he can write that I am the most humble person in the world. And it's important for you to know that. Why is that so important? Because humility, being an unav, is one of the most important attributes you can have. And it's one that we must all make a part of ourselves. So who are you going to learn from? If you have a chance, you're going to learn from the best. And Hashem is telling everybody for multiple reasons. The first reason why Hashem, I'll just fill this in. The first reason why Hashem is telling us that Moshe is the most humble person is because we have to just, we for ourselves have to recognize who Moshe was and how great he was and how Moshe, the greatness of Moshe, the greatness of his actions, the greatness of his nevuah, the fact that there was no scenario where Moshe wouldn't be listening to Hashem, that everything he was doing would, would be following the commandments of Hashem to the letter. But also, Hashem wants everyone to know that Moshe is the most humble person in order that we can actually learn true hum- humility. We need to know who to learn it from. So what do we do? We take Moshe's life we go back and examine the stories, which is what we are actually doing right here in the Story Torah. We go back and we examine the stories. And we see, oh, Moshe was the most humble person? Well, what makes somebody humble? And that's what we go back and see. And that's the purpose of this Pasuk here and how, Moshe Rabbein, how it's possible that someone like Moshe Rabbeinu, the most humble person alive, could actually write down in the Torah that he was the most humble person alive. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. For any questions, comments, or to subscribe to the email newsletter, please email me at amemtorah at gmail.com. That's A-I-M-E-M-T-O-R-A-H at gmail.com. The email newsletter will give you updates for Amem Torah, as well as the written version of the Dvar Torah in your inbox, along with an MP3 download of this podcast. The podcast is also available on iTunes. Just search for the Amem Torah podcast or my name, Yosef Siegel. Please check out the blog itself, Old Ideas for the Modern Mind, dot blogspot.com, 
where you can get the written version of this week's Dvar Torah, as well as the archived versions of the previous eight years of Amem Torah Divrei Torah. Please check out my website, hashkafahandbook.com, where this podcast is hosted, and learn more about my book, Reality Check, A Handbook of Hashkafa. And finally, please check us out on social media. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash amemtorah, and on Twitter, Twitter handle at amemtorah. That's A-I-M-E-M-T-O-R-A-H. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening, and have a great job.